Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. The short story is we met when I was 12. He had moved into our neighborhood uh, where my family and I lived, and we met at the Super Bowl party that my parents were hosting. Now fast forward. Ten years later, Natalie's a grown-up. Then we went to lunch, and I asked her one day, I said, do you have feelings for me? Like, I was very specific. I said, you know, I have feelings for you, and I can't really define how, you know, there's a lot of feelings, because I've known you for so long. Do you have feelings for me beyond just comfort and, and somebody you've known? She said, I do. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. start this episode out by talking about how easy it is to judge someone else's relationship. In fact, it's one of the easiest things we do, judging other people without getting to know them first. Natalie and Brandon get a lot of judgment because there's a 25-year age gap between them. It's a pretty obvious thing when you meet the two of them, and it's easy for people to jump to conclusions about why they're together in the first place. So we have had people who have just come up to us randomly and been very judgmental to our faces. We were at the Smite Club one time and we were just dancing, having a good time. And this guy came up to Brandon and he said, does her mom know that you guys are together? And Brandon looked at him and said, what? And he said, does, your, does her mom know? Because I would think that she would be very uncomfortable. If I've learned anything, anything at all about marriage, and commitment. It's that we have no idea what happens inside another person's marriage. We can't. So suspend any judgment you might have going into this about Natalie and Brandon's relationship. Let's let them tell their love story. So I, I, I actually remember meeting him, which is surprising for being 12. Uh, but I remember him like coming into the house, I introduced myself, and he had a daughter who was going to be joining my class at my high school, or at my junior high at the time. Do you remember that, babe? I kind of vaguely remember. <laughs> you don't remember showing up at the house? Uh, no, I do. I'm 
I try not to think back to those days. Brandon doesn't get nervous talking about their age gap now, but he doesn't love talking about how he met Natalie when she was just a teenager because there was absolutely nothing between them then. He didn't think of her as anything other than his daughter's friend. And I think that's really important to say. Brandon became fast friends with Natalie's parents. Natalie's mom was even his doctor for 15 years. Let's put it this way. I've known her since she was 12 and watched her grow up. And obviously there was zero thoughts that we would end up where we're sitting today. It's hard for me sometimes looking backwards. For me, he was in junior high, this parental figure. I mean, he busted me for everything you could imagine in junior high with his daughter because we were up to no good. So he was this parental figure at first. I don't remember thinking anything romantically. He was the dad of my friend who would all, like, she was the only friend I would ever get in trouble with. And so in my mind, he was like the disciplinarian dad. Like I had to be scared of Brandon because I was worried that he was going to out me for whatever junior high thing I was scheming up. It's such a unique situation. And yet there is some magic to the fact that I've got to see her grow up and be best friends with her parents and seeing her accomplishments and watch her progress as, you know, from a kid to a young adult. It's a rare look to be with somebody where you actually knew them when they were a little kid like that. Like you, you know, and you saw them grow up. So it's a little bit of magic, but it's, it's certainly very hard for us to talk about those days because I was more of a parental role and I certainly never viewed her in any capacity. But so Brandon gets a little Yeah, I don't like even talking about it, to be honest with you. It just... Her mom teases me a lot about it. Because um, it's funny. <laughs> Natalie grew up. She went to high school and college. The summer between Natalie's junior and senior year, she started interning at one of Brandon's companies. I didn't have any direct contact with her at all, other than occasional meetings here or there. But then Brandon's administrative assistant quit. Her husband had terminal cancer. He only had four months to live. It was abrupt, and Brandon needed someone to fill in for her. And that's when Natalie took over. I really was taken aback how uh, exceptional, you know, I just kind of perceived her as being a college kid, to be honest. But after I was forced to kind of work with her for seven or eight weeks through the whole meeting, I was thoroughly impressed. So that's kind of where she came on my radar as like a future potential executive or someone that we could groom or I could groom with my team. And that evolved until one day she came and told me she had an opportunity in LA and she was moving. Natalie ended up leaving and went to study at the London School of Economics for six months. She's a pretty smart cookie. Brandon was in London a lot for work, and when he was there, his path crossed with Natalie's. I was selling my business, and I was in Europe. And um, because we all knew each other, we were in London. So we went to dinner a couple times, she and me and my team. But then there was one time I went to London where the two of us went out, and and we had a great time and just kind of hung out. Brandon was at the tail end of a a two-and-a-half-year separation and divorce. He was just starting to think about dating again. When she came back from London, we were spending a lot of time together because I was at her parents' house. My president lived across the street, and she wanted to go to work in one of my other companies. And I was like, sure, if you want to come do that, that's fine. So we started spending a lot of time together, and, and the evolution in this whole thing has moved from 
when she was a kid in that parental role to when she was an employee as an intern and then her coming back kind of as a young lady. I feel like a young lady is like a weird way to say. Well, I'm trying to say she grew up a little bit, so I'm trying to be politically correct there, but. I grew up to be somebody that he fell in love with. And in his mind, that's a young lady. Well, I don't know what word to use. He doesn't know what word to use. Yeah. She wasn't a woman yet, I don't think. Uh, How was I a woman? I was a woman. Get out of here. (laughs) And Natalie, what did you think about him at this point? I adored him. I respected him for the way that he viewed his life, the way that he viewed his work. Every dynamic that exists in being a human, I just, I I felt like he captivated me with thinking about life differently. At first it was weird. Like it it was very weird, but there was this turning point where he and I had been spending time together and we would just kind of talk, talk about things that weren't related to work, talk about my family, talk about my friends, talk about just what was going on. And that's all it was at first. They were just talking. We would just be comfortable hanging out, and there was never any thought of, oh, this is a relationship. I think, if anything, there wasn't any weirdness because there was the the friendship and the familiarity there. And then one day, they were working on a project together. I was sad. I wanted more, but there was nothing more to want. It was just this this weird feeling. And he asked me point blank. I don't even think he knew the words that were coming out of his mouth, but he said, have you ever felt this way before about anybody? And there was this long pause. And I, without thinking much myself, I said, no, I've never felt this way. And that was the first kind of acknowledgement that we had feelings for each other. And I was leaving. I I just could tell there was some kind of weird tension or or stress there. And so I asked her that question and... It was a little presumptuous, but it wasn't too forward uh, because from his perspective... I didn't want her mom calling going, what the heck? And so at the end of the... (laughs) Or dad, and at the end of the day, I wasn't really sure what I was feeling. It was just a very comfortable relationship. I was taken aback by her sophistication and her elegance, especially at her age. I acknowledged and she acknowledged that we were feeling something, but in the same respect, I was leaving for 10 days to Europe. So I just didn't even know what to do with that information. So I gave her a hug goodbye and I left and I just thought about it while I was gone. I kind of dwelled on it thinking maybe I didn't hear what she said or maybe she didn't understand what I was asking because I asked the question in such an uncomfortable way for me and her. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt 
to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Brandon and Natalie had known one another for about a decade, since she was a kid. But he just admitted that he had feelings for her, and she told him she had feelings for him, too. They started going out to dinners, just the two of them, but it stayed really chaste. It was almost a little awkward. Like, where do we go from here? How do we do this? Then we went to lunch, and I asked her one day, I said, do you have feelings for me? Like, I was very specific. I said, you know, I have feelings for you, and I can't really define how, you know, there's a lot of feelings, because I've known you for so long. Do you have feelings for me beyond just comfort and, and somebody you've known? And she said, I do. And I said, well, okay, so I have those feelings for you, or I think I do, but we can't pursue this remotely unless we have a conversation with your mom. So they set up a lunch with Natalie's mom. Before they did it, they spent a lot of time talking about the risks, the potential devastation that this could cause for both of their families, how everyone was going to react to the fact that Brandon was nearly twice her age and he'd known her since she was just a kid. My mom and my dad, for me, were the hardest parts. I think for Brandon, it was his kids. We did them separately. We both knew I wasn't ready to tell my dad. My dad, it was too early in the relationship. We needed more time to figure out how this was going to work out between the two of us before we let my dad know. So we actually told my mom six months or so before we ended up telling my dad. The conversation with my mom, I thought I was going to be the strong one and tell her And we showed up to lunch that day, and I just got tears in my eyes, and I completely clammed up. I just, I couldn't speak, because it's just everything that my mom didn't want me to do with my life at that moment in time. She loves Brandon, and she's incredibly supportive of me, but the idea of her daughter, who my mom has worked tirelessly to create every opportunity for Choosing to date somebody 25 years older in this small community was just like, why was I making this decision? Why couldn't I go a more traditional path? And I knew she was going to feel that way. When we were having the conversation with her, it was one of the only times that I got embarrassed of what the potential judgment or what the potential thought process could be of my mom. And Brandon was the one who ended up talking pretty much that entire lunch. You had me going into it knowing I've been her mom's best friend. She's been my doctor. Her dad, I have a lot of respect and adore. We've been friends for a long time. And I'm a well-known kind of local business person. I have my kids to consider. I have the reputational potential damage. There was the potential to devastate everything in our life. But yet we've come to the realization that we're actually in love with each other. So that's the weight in which we went to that lunch. And and it's hard to express to somebody how much weight that was, but it was a lot. What did your mom say, Natalie? She cried. She had a lot of questions. 
in a lot of ways, this was like the biggest decision I'd ever made in my life. This was the first turning point where I think I was actively choosing a path that was closing doors and creating a life and creating reference points and creating a reputation. I think all the weight that I was talking about, Natalie's considerations, my considerations, the impact it has on all the people we love, all that was discussed over like a two and a half hour lunch. And her mom's conclusion was, you guys really need to think deeper about this. Like you guys, you guys need to spend more than a month, you know, thinking, should we date and, and really think about the implications, but independently of each other, I love you guys for different reasons. She did say that she was supportive of us and okay with us moving forward and deciding to do this. The one deciding factor from that conversation that we all walked away with was we were not going to tell my dad until we were 100% certain with some of the other things that we were weighing and just discussing early on in the relationship. How long did you wait before you told your dad? And how did you know that you were ready to tell him? How did you know that you two were going to be together long enough that it would be worth telling your dad? Honestly, as soon as Brandon and I made the decision to date and as soon as we made the decision to call my mom and have lunch with her, I knew 100% I was going to be with Brandon the rest of my life. There was just no question in my mind. And we had to figure things out. But it was not a matter of us figuring out if we loved each other or me figuring out if I wanted to be with him. It was a matter of figuring out the circumstances around us. So with my dad, I wanted to introduce him to our relationship when the environment wasn't turbulent, when he could come around and support us. So when I did decide to tell my dad, it wasn't planned. We were just at Easter brunch and I felt some sort of feeling that I needed to just be honest with him. And I told him and he bawled. My dad does not cry almost ever. And he just, he started crying, thinking about the implications of what this, this life choice meant for me. And he said to me, this is the worst thing that you could choose to do. I don't know why you're choosing to do this. And I think this is a horrible idea and you need to undo this because this is not a good choice for you. He was mostly scared for me. It's kind of hard to stress how I grew up, but my parents controlled a good portion of my life. And just as both of them being doctors, they wanted the absolute best for me and thought that I was going to be a lawyer and have what people would define as a normal life. So me kind of going outside the norm was not traditional in our relationship. And it was just, it was a hard time for us. How was it hard? Oh boy. (laughs) In a lot of ways, it's almost like coming out. For a while, we tried to hide that we had this relationship because we knew that it would dynamically change the way that every single person in our lives thought about us. I had thought that I was going to have this career and I was going to be self-made and never depend on a man. And Brandon thought that he would have this perfect family and this successful career and be this revered business person. All of those things felt like they were crashing because of our decision to love each other. 
sharing this with our friends, sharing this with our family, sharing this with the community and the business, it wasn't well received by a lot of people. And there were people who were judgmental and there were people who chose to be supportive. Well, the worst part, it was hurtful for my children. I mean, there's multiple layers here, right? So you have the age gap, but then you have somebody that they knew and then the awkwardness of the fact that there was so much history between all of us, the embarrassment with co-friends and mutual friends, kind of the ripple effect of, of this big decision. There was just shame involved with it. Like we had fallen in love, but we needed to apologize to everybody around us because we felt this way. I still have collateral damage and, and hurt feelings you know, with two of my kids because my oldest daughter is the one that directly knew Natalie, so she's dealt with it. She's moving forward. She's got two great sons with a third on the way and, and a beautiful family. You add on to it an ex-wife. It's a small community. It's unfortunately embarrassing for her as well. I mean, it just, there's... Um, Sweetheart, why are you crying? Well, it's just emotional. This is coming at a huge price tag, but when you look at the other side of the equation, the love is so much more genuine. And I think people can feel that. They can see it. Time for a break. When we get back, we'll find out how Brandon proposed. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Natalie and Brandon didn't have a traditional love story. But Brandon wanted to have a traditional proposal. Valentine's Day is her favorite time. And we were going down to L.A. to spend the weekend with our best friends. And so I had set it up with my buddy that I was going to surprise her. I went to get the ring. I was so nervous, I proceeded to take a left turn instead of a right and drove an extra hour into L.A. instead of 10 minutes into Beverly Hills. Finally got back and we went down to the private room where we all met and started having champagne. So Brandon, partway through, got really serious and he put this box on my plate and he got down on one knee and he said, I want you to open this. This is from me to you on Valentine's and I want to know if you'll spend the rest of your life with me. I was completely shocked completely taken off guard. I had no inclination that this was going to happen. Of course, I said, yes, I would have married Brandon years ago. I, I could marry Brandon at any moment. And 
any given part of the day. It's it's been circumstances and, and the people around us that we feel like we've had to navigate, but I couldn't say yes fast enough. It was an interesting moment because it wasn't a moment that I had expected and in a lot of ways I had always thought that my family and my friends would be around and they would know when the engagement was happening. Natalie had always had this fairy tale image in her head about how happy her friends and family would be when she finally got engaged. At this point, most of the people closest to her had accepted her and Brandon's relationship, but she was still worried they weren't going to be happy for her. For us, it all of a sudden turned from, oh, we had this special moment and everybody can celebrate it, to the realization that we just had this special moment and now we have to explain it and it's likely not going to be met with excitement. We don't really fight. Uh, Brandon and I bicker, <laughs> uh, as most couples do, but we don't, we don't have big fights. And the night that he proposed was the only night in the history of our relationship where we actually went to bed mad at each other without resolving conflict. Brandon and I continued to have conversations. So I said to him, look, instead of us just calling and telling our family and friends and having to sit down with them and making this not celebratory. Why don't we surprise our family and friends with us getting engaged in an environment where we can make it celebratory? So we threw a surprise engagement party. We told our family and friends that we were going to have this joint birthday party. Brandon turned 50 this year and I turned 25. So it kind of seemed like it would make sense. The day of the party was just magical. And we announced it during dinner and our friends and family were surprised by it. And they were happy. Like the, the ones that showed up and came to be there for us, it was it was kind of our moment to celebrate our engagement and in a lot of ways our love on my terms where we could create this experience for them and not feel like we're in this position of apologizing for something that has been wonderful and beautiful for us. But what kind of criticism do you guys get from the outside, from people that don't know you? I mean, do people look at you strangely or say things to you when they see you together? We have had people who have just come up to us randomly and been very judgmental to our faces. But I think what happens most of the time is our inner circle of people that we trust are the people who get the brunt of the questions. Most people aren't brazen enough to come up to Brandon and I and ask, you know, well, what's the age difference or make a judgmental comment. But when they're talking to our team members or they're talking to our family, People have judgmental questions to ask or things to say. This just happened to us recently where this woman decided to make some comments at a dinner that we were sitting at to one of our friends saying, oh, I just think that it's so uncomfortable that they're that far apart in age. And you know, why do you think they're actually together? That comes up a lot. That why are they together? That judgment. And a lot of the time the judgment is placed on Natalie. Strangers wondering, what does he have to offer her? Strangers wondering whether she's in this for the money. For me, I think it's what people expect. Obviously, he has money and he's older, so it just fits into the stereotype. And I think that showing that is a sign for people to be judgmental instead of assuming that it's love. The money 
makes things nice. There's no question. Brandon and I travel the world together. He buys me amazing things, things that I could never dream of. But for me, I'm going to be somebody who works hard, who is intelligent, who reads books, who stays up to date on what's happening in the world. It's not a matter of me latching onto this relationship because I feel like I need to have this life raft and because I'm scared that I can't make money for myself. And if anything, for me, the the money was a deterrent originally of just thinking about the perception of people never thinking that I'm going to work harder, never thinking that I'm smart. I fundamentally believe that I would be with Brandon regardless of the money. The conversation when it comes to money is really simple because she knows that I love her and I want her to be taken care of, but that's balanced with her saying, I don't want to be taken care of. I'm a strong woman who knows I'm going to be hugely and highly successful. And if nothing else, I'm going to go prove that twice as much because I don't want people to think I have what I have because of you. When Natalie was younger and imagining her wedding, she thought she'd wait until she was 30 to walk down the aisle. She's 25 now and engaged, and she still wants to wait till she's 30. In my mind, I want to have an established career. I want to have uh, just the people in my life that are going to be in my life forever when I do get married. And I think that's been part of the challenge with how quickly Brandon proposed is I feel like I'm still building my life right now and uh, we're still building our life together and I want to feel this sense of establishing myself before we get married because that's something that's important to me. At this point we haven't planned a date. We don't feel the need to rush it or like go through this engagement process quickly and I'm still kind of holding out on being at least in my later 20s when I do get married. Well, we had an engagement party where we had 60 people of our closest friends and family come, and then I just had my 50th birthday where they were all down in Cabo, and we're building a house in Arizona, so the house is still probably two years out, and we're thinking that a great way to christen the house is to do something in Arizona and then do something at the house. So the good news is we got lots of options. We're both building businesses and working and, and we both love exactly where we're at right now. So we don't we don't we, feel the pressure. We don't feel any pressure and and we still have to work through some of the logistics of getting married and her next big thing on the blog is prenups because we're gonna spend the next nine months working with our attorneys to make sure all that's done correctly and appropriately. And so our life is great where it is right now. Both yeah. of us feel like what's the rush to actually plan a wedding if we're not at a place where we want to throw this big party, we want it to be at the right time. There's no question we're going to be together forever. It's just a matter of when we want to throw and plan a, a big party. And what about kids? Brandon, you already have three amazing daughters. Natalie, do you want kids? We don't want to have kids. I don't have a maternal bone in my body. Uh, I've never wanted to have kids in my mind. I look up to people like Oprah who never had kids. There's a different path and I've always felt like that is my path. Brandon also had a vasectomy a few years ago, so it would make us having kids like a miracle. I don't it it wouldn't happen. Seven years ago. (laughs) And I have three amazing daughters. So it works, I think, for both of us. And but but again, that was one of the big check marks that we needed to really talk through before we made the decision to to jump all in. Well now I kind of feel like I have to ask. Do people ask you if she's your daughter? 
The funny part is she makes all the dinner reservations, and when we show up, they all call me Mr. Workman because they think I'm her father. Drives him nuts. <laughs> so and we laugh. If I got a dime for every time I'd been called Mr. Workman and didn't feel the need to correct anybody, I'd be twice as wealthy. There have been people who have thrown it out there to be rude and to be nasty. But like a bartender will say, oh, what would your daughter like to have? And he kind of joke and then he'll throw his arm around me. and He'll say, actually, you know, she's my fiance. It just really just depends on the situation. If it's more of a professional situation and people don't mean it in a way that uh, is rude, we try to make them feel comfortable because if anything, it's embarrassing for somebody else to misjudge that. But there's a reality to it and you can't make people feel bad for pointing out something that honestly does seem obvious because I'm the same age as his daughter. And we go out of our way to relieve the awkwardness with people we meet. So we introduce each other properly. So she'll say, this is my fiance, Brandon. I'll say, this is my fiance, Natalie. As much as we can, if somebody thinks that he's my dad, we try to make people feel comfortable. One of the things that Natalie can't ignore is the fact that Brandon might not be around as long as she is. There are moments where it is incredibly overwhelming to think about what my life could look like when I'm 60 and Brandon's 85. And I look at my parents who have just turned 60 and are just in their early 60s. And I think I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a spouse. But on the other hand, you can't get too caught up in the future and the fear of what's going to happen. To me, I could die in a car accident or I could die from any number of things prior to Brandon dying. And it wouldn't be a reason to not be together although it makes me incredibly sad when we do have those conversations. I definitely get overwhelmed. You just have to trust that you're going to be able to figure it out. And even though it's scary, it's not a good enough reason not to pursue the greatest love that you've ever felt, the greatest experiences that you can build with somebody, the greatest trust that you can have. We've made the decision that if we're going to do the next 30 years, 40 years. Hopefully he'll make it to 100 and we can celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary or 50 years of being together. But we're planning on spending the time together that we have and we, we make the most of it. There's this great Mark Twain quote. Age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Natalie and Brandon don't mind. For them, it doesn't matter. For the rest of us, that's all that matters. Hopefully Brandon makes it to 100. Hopefully they still have a long and a happy and wonderful marriage ahead of them. This week, we're actually bringing you two Age Gap episodes. There will be another one available for download tomorrow. You'll hear from John and Carol, 
That episode focuses on what happens when time does start to run out. Stay tuned. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Natalie Workman and Brandon Dawson. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Kling, with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hattikater, Will Pearson, and Christopher Hasiotis. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. You can grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.